What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. We've got five big topics and a recap of Sunday Night Football, a rainy, sloppy game with some terrific running back play. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. Adam Azer and Chris Towers. Jacob Gibbs will be joining us in just a little bit to talk about our topics today. The Chiefs, they're three and four, but do they have any offensive concerns that should uh, have fantasy managers a little worried? Kyle Pitts, back-to-back 100-yard games. He's just going to keep crushing it out there. And the results of a Twitter poll that I thought were very interesting. Is Khalil Herbert a problem for David Montgomery? We'll take a look at upcoming schedules and who's got good schedules coming up. It's not the easiest exercise, but we'll try. I got got a quarterback with a great schedule coming up. Get excited. And players that could just bust out. Not, you know, players that could be, that are sort of irrelevant right now, that could bust out. What's up, Chris? Hello. Hello, I know. Long word, long-winded intro. Hello. Yeah, no, but it was good. I think you hit all your marks, <sighs> and uh, you should feel good about that. One. I do. I said I feel pretty good about it. You know, maybe a little bit shorter next time, but I feel now everybody knows what's coming up. That I was thought it was important. Thing. Thank you. That's that is what they call in the industry a tease. A very long <laughs> tease. A very long tease. So you know that well. Fumble slash interception from Carson Wentz last night, you know, where he just gave yeah. it away. He had Pascal wide open. I was watching it again today. That could have been a touchdown. He was he was about to make a great play and it slipped Look, out of man, his hands. You can't you can't hold anything that happened in that game against anyone. It the the conditions were so bad. There was that like the pick six at the end was such a weird play. Because it didn't seem like anybody realized that he hadn't gone down. It was it was just a weird game. There were what four uh, fumbled snaps between the two quarterbacks. the The conditions were not ideal. I think it's fair to say. And you said you can't hold anyone responsible for anything. What about Brandon Ayuk's punt return adventure? I don't know if that was weather related or not. <laughs> I think he just kind of kicked the ball into the end zone. It ended up being a touchback, but that one might have just been a bad play. Look, it happens. <laughs> it does. It you does try happen. you try standing out in the rain for three hours. I've done it at a football game. I've done it. Ruined right, my cell phone one time. Anything. You didn't have to do anything. You know? It's true. Uh, Kyle Shanahan did not exactly commit to Jimmy Garoppolo starting next week. Oh, he, no. he said, you know, he, he said I, probably. I would guess basically. so, I think, was the, 
the way he phrased it. Is Jimmy Garoppolo your starter in week eight? I get, I would guess so, I think is what he said. Yeah, so we'll see. He also said, like, we'll see who's healthy. But, you know, we don't, I think for, for Debo Samuel's sake, we'd rather it be Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, let's, let's talk about this game, though. 30-18 Indianapolis over San Francisco. And Taylor, Taylor and, uh, and Mitchell. Yeah. Both had 18 carries for 107, 107 yards and one touchdown. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. How much you buying Elijah Mitchell? I think he's an RB2 moving forward. He's the starting running back in a, in a Kyle Shanahan offense, and they've basically shown no interest in using anyone else, really. You know, Trey Sermon, I think, played two snaps in week uh, six. Michael Hasty got three carries today. Trey Sermon, I don't even know if he got on the field. Um, I think that is a situation where Elijah Mitchell is, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the lead back, and that should mean fairly efficient production and, and a decent chance of scoring a touchdown. I don't think he'll be an RB1 at any point moving forward. I mean, he'll have some RB1 weeks, but you know, he's not really involved in the passing game, so he's going to be a little touchdown dependent. But like, I, I would rather have Elijah Mitchell than Damian Harris moving forward. Yeah, I mean they're right. They're similar in that. Yeah, Very I agree. Players, I agree. But I think Mitchell's in a better running game. Yeah, and I'm just you know, he's a 49ers running back, and they always get hurt. So I know it doesn't. <laughs> well, seem- they, they also have a type. Like he's a a 49ers running back in that he's really fast and pretty small, and so you know if he gets 20 carries a game, you you have to think at some point he's going to break down. That's been the way it's worked for pretty much everybody who's been in that situation. But Jeff Wilson's not coming back for, I would think, at least a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so Elijah Mitchell's got some runway here. Okay, and then as far as Debo Samuel goes, I think we got to just, if anyone is still doubting him, stop it. He had another 100-yard game. He's eight or more targets in every game. And he's had a pretty easy schedule. If you look at his four big games, they've been against Detroit, Philadelphia, Seattle, and the Colts. Um, Philadelphia has actually been good against wide receivers, but that, you know, he's done well against pretty easy competition. Mm-hmm. So there is that, but he still, it's not like he has a super hard schedule going forward. Um, but yeah, I think the only thing that could slow him down is Trey Lance. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, I guess if Brandon Ayuk ever starts playing better. But I, I don't necessarily know if that's something we can rely on at this point because he is playing a decent role. Um, you know, I think it's seventy-two percent of the snaps every game, or seventy-two percent of the pass routes over the last four games. So it's not like Ayuk's not out on the field. Um, no, I think Samuel probably has to be viewed as a top eight, top six wide receiver moving forward. No. His target rate has been oh man, thirty percent so plus. That is pretty much so high. Week. I know, but he's got a thirty. He had a thirty-four yeah, but Kittle's, percent target share coming into this. Kittle has been out. I, I look. I mean, top fifteen, yeah, top eight. I can't. You can't name eight wide receivers you'd rather have than Debo Samuel, especially uh, with a quarterback change potentially looming. Let's try it. Okay, so I think we can do this, right? So here's so, the whole list of wide receivers who have been better than him. Okay, Cooper Cup. Yeah, I would. Yep, yeah. Tyreek Hill. Let me get these fingers in the video. Yeah, all right. Uh, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams. Uh huh. I think it's fine to take all four of those guys ahead of him. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm still uh, going to go with Diggs and Jefferson. 
Diggs and Jefferson. That's fine. That's seven. Uh, I'm going to go with A.J. Brown. I think that's really close. I just am very afraid of, of Trey Lance. Be you afraid. Like, be very you afraid. You were like, is A.J. Brown a bust? Like Me? a week and a half ago. The hell are you talking yes. about? I, I asked yes. the question. No, Chris. I asked the question. I did not think A.J. Brown was a bust. I said there's no reason why A.J. Brown shouldn't just be really good from here on out. I am all about AJ Brown. Okay, so, so there's no. A- I'd rather have DK Metcalf. I assume oh, no way. Wilson will be back no fairly way. soon. When no Wilson way. when Wilson's back, I'd rather have Metcalf. So that's not even, you know, I definitely I think that's pretty close, but I, I don't know. It's just like why are we why are we Trey Lance. Why should we be skeptical of Debo Samuel? He was really good as a rookie. The, I'm not the, the touchdowns weren't there. I'm skeptical of Trey rookie. Lance. I'm look at Allen Robinson. Look at Allen Robinson. Trey Lance sure. is worse than Justin Fields, in my opinion. I'm I'm terrified of Trey Lance. I, I have more faith in Kyle Shanahan than I do Matt Nagy. That's fine, but he's still but that's still his quarterback. Uh, and George Kittle hasn't played. George Kittle's barely been on the field. Sure. Top eight. But I don't he know. He was just, really good when George Kittle did play. Yeah. He was leading the league in was. receiving yards when George Kittle played. He was, played. yeah. It did have some some kind of big, kind of fluky plays, but that but no, it it really it's semantics because he's in the must-start territory. Like anyway, 10, Mike, I'd like, rather have Mike Williams. Rather ha- I'd rather have Mike Williams. No, I don't think so. And who am I missing here? Like, I'd rather have Debo Samuel than DeAndre Hopkins. I'd rather have Debo Samuel than DeAndre Hopkins. I'd rather have him than CeeDee Lamb. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Mike Evans? I'd rather have Debo. I'd rather have Debo rather than have DJ Evans. Moore. I'd rather have him than DJ Moore, yeah. I'd rather have Terry Evans. McLaurin? I'd rather have McLaurin. You'd rather have McLaurin? Than I would, him? yeah. And you'd rather have Mike Evans than him? Yeah. Come on. I think that when I, I think that from this point on, well, Evans has what? Evans has seven touchdowns. Debo has six. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah. Debo has five. Debo has five. Okay. No, he has. Like he has, has four. He has four and a rushing touchdown. Fifty-two yards more. In a f- in one game fewer than Mike Evans. Oh no! Right, he's been better. It's. Uh, look, it's all about Trey Lance for me. If they're really going to go to Trey Lance, then I, I think that's going to be a problem for him. Um, okay. Anyway, he's a must-start player. Is Michael Pittman a must-start player? Four catches for 105 yards and a touchdown on only four targets. He was started in 60% of leagues. Is Michael Pittman a must-start? I mean, he was having a pretty nothing game until that touchdown at the end, right? I guess he had three catches for like 70 yards before that. Um Yeah. I don't know. This is again. It's it's it was a game where the weather was terrible. They couldn't really throw the ball all that effectively. He had four targets on twenty six pass attempts. But is that a result of the weather? He he. You know, with T. Y. Hilton in last week, his target share was way down. So I think that's a concern. But I don't know. I I don't think he's a must start wide receiver. But I think he's in the twenty five to thirty range moving forward. Gonna be hard to sit him in a three receiver league. Put it that way. And then Mo oh, Alley yeah. Cox. No, he's, yeah. 28% rostered Mo Ali Cox, another touchdown for him. So his last four games, he has 42 yards and two touchdowns at Miami, 50 yards at Baltimore, a 28-yard touchdown catch against Houston, a 25-yard touchdown catch at San Francisco. He's finding the end zone. Um, only one of his touchdowns has been from inside 10 yards, but it's 5-4-3-3 three, three targets for, for Mo Ali Cox. It's just not the type of player that we typically buy into, and he's 28% rostered for a reason. He's a... He's a streaming touchdown or bust tight end. There's like seven guys who have similar roles who are in similar offenses. Like 
I'm also not buying into Hunter Henry. I don't know if that makes me kind of an outlier on this podcast. I feel like it does, but no, I think Hunter Henry's mostly a a streaming touchdown or bust tight end at this point too. All right, and that's pretty much going to do it for Sunday Night Football. Another great game for Jonathan Taylor. Another bad game for Naeem Hines, but he he could have had a huge play. He dropped on a wheel route. He was wide open. He had a bad yep. drop late in the first half. Uh, if you want to hear more about who Chris is believing in and who he is not believing in, make sure you subscribe to his newsletter, the Fantasy Football Today newsletter. Go to cbssports.com slash newsletters and, yeah, learn everything you need to know about fantasy football. Starts and sits, waivers, all that stuff. Eight newsletter, eight a week, right? Yeah. Eight a week, right into your inbox. All right, some injury updates here. I just saw this on Miles Sanders uh, from NFL Now. Eagles running back Miles Sanders is believed to have suffered a sprained ankle, the kind that looks serious but aren't usually serious or aren't usually as serious as they appear. So we shall see. I mean, dream matchup at Detroit in week eight. And then the Chargers, they've been terrible against the run. They're going to get a little healthier, so that might be a different type of matchup, but you couldn't. And then Denver. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better stretch right here for the Eagles' backfield. Let's hope it's Miles Sanders. And if Sanders doesn't play, I'm not sure... Like, I think you can probably start Kenneth Gainwell as an RB2 in week eight against the Lions because they've been so bad against pass catching running backs, especially. But he actually, I think he ran four times compared to nine rushes for Boston Scott after uh, Miles Sanders left with the injury. I, uh, San- Gainwell played 22 snaps, Scott played 20. Gainwell went, ran a route on 17 of those 22 snaps. So. It wouldn't shock me if Boston Scott was the leading rusher here, but I think that would probably only be like 10 to 12 carries anyway, and Gainwell would probably get six to eight either way, and you're just hoping that his passing game role makes him uh, a starting caliber running back. But I'm not as confident as I thought I would be in the event of a Miles Sanders injury after yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I mean I don't think I ever was. I just don't trust the Eagles. It did look like nope. Miles Sanders was on his way to a to a good workload. Unfortunately, um, yeah. We don't know about Josh Jacobs right now, but they, there was some optimism yesterday that he won't have to miss any time as they go into their bye yeah, week. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wilson out two to four weeks with a sprained PCL, so that will be Cincinnati, the Colts, the Bills, and the Dolphins over the next four weeks. And right now, Mike White is the quarterback. Patrick probably Mahomes. Good news for, probably good news for Michael Carter. It could be, yeah. Catches yesterday, and and then I th- I also think five or six for Ty Johnson, so that could just be a yeah. Mike White tendency throwing to his running backs. Patrick Mahomes expected to play this week against the Giants. Deshaun Watson could be traded this week if you want to pick him up. Uh, you know, now might be the time. I'm just going to tell you straight up, I won't have him on any of my teams. But I don't I don't want to sound like I'm endorsing Deshaun Watson. But uh, I've I've. I've reached the point where if he gets traded, I'll talk about it. Until then, I'm not going to speculate. No, just, but I mean, you, yeah. everybody's going to no, pick I get him up it. if he gets it. traded. Like, so. people, people are going to make moves just personally. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do or not to do with that guy right now. Sure. There are other other NFL examples that, you know, it's like, where is, am I, is it just hypocrisy? Like, you know, can I really roster this guy and not this guy? So yeah. I, it's a lot to get into. Uh, DJ Chark is out for the season. There was some optim- hope that maybe he could come back late, but he won't be. And New England slot cornerback Jonathan Jones is out for the season. That's a big deal. He's a very good player. Baker Mayfield was not seen at practice. Nick Chubb, uh, he didn't practice Baker Mayfield. Uh, Nick Chubb did. Looks like he's good to go for Sunday against Pittsburgh. He's trending in that direction. 
Same with right tackle Jack Conklin for the Browns. Meanwhile, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, they have a shot to play. Um, Beckham is, I just don't know how you can trust these guys, but Beckham is not going to have shoulder surgery as of now until the offseason. We are going to take a break, and Jacob Gibbs is on the other side of it. Our five big topics. Jacob and I can start our Monday night trash talk, see if he's going to go to the Chiefs-Giants game. Um, all right, we'll be right back. I don't think that one's going to work out for you. <laughs> I don't think so either. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, there's Jacob Gibbs. What's up, Jacob? I'm excited to hear this Giants trash talk. I don't oh, know how you do that, but... Be very afraid. We're only a game back of the Chiefs. It, you know, three and four versus two and five. Technically true. So sad. Oh, That's man. kind of true. Chiefs are only 10-point favorites. Man, you got to hammer that. They're going to crush the Giants. But anyway, the first question, Jacob, is actually about the Chiefs. Diggs559 says, Mahomes, what's going on? Let's expand it to the entire offense here. Um, look, they're coming off a terrible game. They're now... Eighth in scoring per game. They were fifth going in. They were averaging more points this year than they were last year. So it's just the Tennessee game makes it look a lot worse. But, Jacob, do you have concerns about the Kansas City Chiefs offensively as it relates to fantasy? No, not really. Um, I did dig into to Mahomes' um, specific data just a little bit to see if anything stood out because he does kind of look like he's pressing, especially this last week. Um, so specifically, I wanted to check out what I guess you would call maybe like tendency rates. Um, so things like how long he's holding the ball before he's throwing, um, his average depth of target, how often he's targeting different areas of the field. Um, just kind of looked into all that in specific situations when pressured, when blitzed, long down distance, you know, um, and it ended up all being a tremendous waste of time. Really nothing, is, <laughs> really nothing has changed. Like his tendencies are almost identical to what we've seen from him. Um, I think he's been pretty lucky. He had, I think he's near the top of the league and dropped interceptions over the past few years. And I think we're kind of seeing that, you know, work against him now where he's getting a little bit more unlucky, you know, had another 50, 50 ball tipped in the air this week, diving interception. He's had three of those right now this year where receivers have dropped the ball and it's been intercepted. He's had one, you know, tipped a line of scrimmage intercepted. I don't know. I, maybe it's biased, but I have watched, you know, every game and I'm, I'm just not very worried about it really. I think, I think the offense is a little discombobulated right now, but I think it's more like they're going to get things figured out. Yeah, Chris, we could probably be fairly quick on this. I mean, as far as Kelsey, Mahomes, and Tyreek Hill go, just you're just total total faith in them. Uh, yeah, yeah, more or less. I mean, I guess Mahomes' injury. You know, if, if like it wouldn't surprise me if he had 
late onset concussion symptoms. That's not something that is all that rare. We'll see a guy get cleared on a Sunday and then go into the concussion protocol later in the week. So that's something to keep an eye on. But yeah, as, as long as he's healthy, I don't really see any reason to be worried about them. There, there's such a long track record here of being a dominant offense. And like you said, they were fifth in scoring coming into this game. This was the second time in Mahomes' career where he's been below 10 fantasy points in a game. Both of them he left with injuries. So yeah, I don't see any real reason to be concerned at all. Okay, and then as far as Tyreek Hill goes, I know it's been a little bit frustrating, but you might be surprised to know he's still a top three wide receiver. Mm -hmm. He's had just two mega huge games and a lot of catches this year. He's on pace for 119 catches in 16 games and 126 catches in 17 games. He's getting 10 targets per game. And yeah, uh, yeah, I think we're fine with the Chiefs. So let's go to our second question here, our second big topic. From Joshua Grubb, will Kyle Pitts keep this up or sell high? Jacob Gibbs, you answer the question from Joshua Grubb because you have the same initials. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely do not sell high on Kyle Pitts. I mean, when you have the best tight end prospect in the history of the sport and he's like hitting his stride, I think you just enjoy the ride, right? Like, I mean, especially if you drafted him or whatever, like you believe in him enough to take the chance on him. And now he's proving you're right. And, and the usage has been great. All year, I mean, he's running routes on nearly eighty percent of his line's dropbacks. Um, that's up there with the best tight ends in the NFL. It's been that way all year. But really, like the only problem was Atlanta's offense was you know super conservative. We've talked about it on past podcasts, and we've seen that change over the last few weeks. Um, it was the same thing coming out of the bye, and it's kind of you know now back to what we've grown accustomed to with Atlanta. They're passing one of the highest rates in the NFL. Uh, they're providing a ton of air yards. Uh, Ryan's A dot was nine point two last week. It's been over nine in each of the past three games, which is in the top 10. Um, and then on top of just like the team producing more passing volume all around, Pitts is taking a larger chunk of that volume as he, you know, gets more accustomed to the league. Uh, he was targeting on just 16% of his routes in the first three games. That's up to 26% over the past three, which is like approaching Darren Waller territory. That's really, really good. Um, and he's being targeted more downfield. Like his average depth of target is up from 7.8 in the first three games to 12.6 uh, over the past three. Yeah. Um, which is just insane. Like he has 340 errors over the past week, past three weeks. That's as many as TJ Hawkinson has on a year. Like Noah fan has 300 on the year. He's just, and <laughs> he's just an entirely like different beast than other tight ends. What we're, what we're looking at here. I mean, uh, he's barely a tight end, which is what we said coming yeah. in. He's, he's only played 80. He's third on the, the Falcons in snaps at tight end this season. Right. Yeah. That's what I was like, getting to lined next. up as a tight end. That's like why he's able to get these downfield targets is because he's running these routes. He's only, been lined up in line as a tight end 25% of the time over the past three games, down from 34%. And then last week, the first week out of the bye, it was only 19%, which is the lowest in the season. So they're continuing to find, you know, creative ways to get him the ball downfield. Um, his role is elite. And by all indications, his talent is elite, like it was advertised as. So I think I mean, I mean, he beat Xavier Howard on that last drive. <laughs> Did he beat Xavier Howard lined up in isolation on consecutive plays for 20-plus yard games? Like that's... <laughs> That's absurd for a tight end. He's third at the position in receiving yards despite playing a few, one fewer game than most of his competition. He leads the position in air yards per target. Um, there is just basically every indication that he's an elite tight end. And the only question is, is he better than Mark Andrews and Darren Waller? It's not, it's not like a, should you sell high on Kyle Pitts? You probably shouldn't because you can't. Like, What would you get back for him? Yeah. Maybe if someone was willing to give you 
Like, da- Dallas, okay, if it were Dallas Goddard and what for Kyle Pitts? I think I would need a top 15 or 20 wide receiver or running back. Actually, not sure I would do it for a top 20 running back. So if it's in like uh, that 15 to 20 range. Elijah Mitchell and Dallas Goddard for no. Pitts. I don't think I would. No. Okay. Uh, like I like Goddard, but I think Goddard and I got TJ Hawkinson one. are the Spider-Man meme. I got a good one here. I got a good one. Uh, Dallas Goddard and Cordero Patterson or Kyle Pitts. Whoa. I think I might do that, yeah. Yeah, I think I would. I mean, <laughs> what we saw from Patterson this week was really, really exciting. By the yeah, way, it was, in, it was it, interesting. It uh, was. Because they did, they used to more as a running back, obviously, the 14 carries compared to what, five for Mike Davis. That was huge. But he also lined up as a wide receiver more often yeah. than we've seen at any point in the season. And there's my cat. Um, and so if both of those things are going to increase, man, Cordero Patterson could be a must-start player moving forward. Oh, I... But yeah, Pitts... He's a must-start like, now. You can make a very, very strong... We were talking about this on the FFT video show earlier today. I think you can make a very, very strong argument that Kyle Pitts should be the number two tight end moving forward. And that's not to say he'll be better than Darren Waller or Mike Andrews on a per-game basis, but they have their buys coming up. And Kyle Pitts does Yeah, that's true. So if you had to pick one of them, I don't think... Kyle Pitts would be the wrong choice. And Matt Ryan has thrown 35 or more passes in every game. He's thrown 40 or more passes in four of six games. So they're just they're throwing the ball a ton, and the air yards, like we keep mentioning, are up. Uh, so I did this Twitter poll. Uh, who would you rather have in Dynasty, Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase? And Jamar Chase got 84% of the vote, 2,500 votes. I, I mean... I don't think it should be that lopsided. This is basically like, who would you rather have in Dynasty, Travis Kelsey or Devontae Adams or something like that? And if they were the same age, you know what I mean? If Pitts is going to be this good, I'd probably prefer Pitts. People are really ready to to crown Jamar already. Everybody has him as wide receiver one for Dynasty, which I get, I guess, but like it's just a small sample size we're dealing with still. I look. I would yeah. rather have Chase than Pitts. I would, but because yeah. I'm because I'm more convinced. I'm convinced they're both going to be great. I'm sure, but I feel a little safer that Chase is going to is going to perform, even though I feel pretty good about both of them. I mean, they're, but, they're but both if, giving you elite, like yeah. all time elite production for a rookie. Right. Um, yeah. If, if Pitts, if Pitts is going to be, if he's going to keep being this good, then yeah, it should probably be Pitts. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's really just a question of like. Is Pitts 90% of Travis Kelsey? Or is he 95% of Travis Kelsey? You know, like that that's that's kind of where I'm at. Or maybe 85 to 95 versus like can Jamar Chase legitimately be the best wide receiver in football moving forward? And I, yes. I think he definitely can. Absolutely. Um it's not the single most likely outcome, but it's not a terribly unlikely outcome. This is yeah, it's real fun. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I think... Luckily, I have both of them on one team. Oh, all right. For the next three years, so hey. don't have to make that choice. Thanks for letting them fall to number four and five in the rookie draft, guys. Wow. Oh, uh, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I'm not in that league, so... No, you're not in that league. Okay. Nobody is. Um. Oh, you were talking to your friends. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what was I going to say? I think one of the real big appeals for Chase is the ability to grow with Joe Burrow, you know, this 
just seems like the Bengals' offense could be pretty good for a long time. All right, next question we have. Just a whiny millennial. Bears backfield. Can they go back to Monty or Williams after Big Herb's past two showings? A lot of nicknames here from the whiny millennial. So Khalil Herbert has been freaking awesome. Three games in a row with 75 to 100 rushing yards and 18 or 19 carries against the Raiders, the Packers, and the Bucks. The first running back to rush for 100 yards against the Bucks since Dalvin Cook last year. Um, I got a, I got an interesting stat to give on Herbert that we can talk about. But, Jacob, what do you think happens when Montgomery comes back? I mean, he's definitely going to be involved, but I don't know how Herbert won't continue to be involved in Sunfest. I don't know what that role will be because when Montgomery's been healthy, he's played almost all situations. Um, but we did see, even with Williams back, we saw Herbert still dominate the snaps, um, play on third downs, play on the two-minute offense some. Um, so that's encouraging. Um, but, yeah, I re- there's no real answer. I think it will hurt Montgomery. You do? Yeah, I mean, I think he's still someone you view as a top 24 running back, um, but I don't have him in the top 15 range anymore going forward. Chris? The one question I do have about Herbert's usage this week, and it's sort of unanswerable, is was how much of that was Damian Williams coming back from COVID. You know, he yeah. was symptomatic, and we know one of the symptoms of, you know, one of the longer-term sy- symptoms is, you know, shortness of breath. Um, so was Damian Williams up to playing a bigger role? He only played 10 snaps in this one. Um, that's the question moving forward, but I do think Khalil Herbert has some runway to continue to prove himself. It's just, man, it's a tough, tough slate of games before the bye. They've got 49ers this week and then the Steelers in week nine, and then they have the bye. And then David Montgomery is expected back by all accounts, and they have Baltimore. So it's um, they just had Tampa Bay and they just had Tampa Bay. They had Green yeah. Bay before that. Green Bay's solid. I mean, Herbert looks awesome. Yeah, I, you know the the Baltimore matchup. I guess I just want to see what what kind because like Pittsburgh's not elite against the run. Who was it a couple weeks ago that got them? He was the first one to score against them two Sunday nights ago. I can't even remember. Can't remember. I'm sorry, um, but but you know, like they they give up they give up four point five yards per carry to running backs. They just hadn't given up any touchdowns. It, oh, it was Alex Collins, and Collins had a hundred yards and a touchdown. Right. So, you know, I I don't know that he can't beat that matchup. What I thought was really interesting is pro, and I just I mean I went back and I watched like forty of his carries this morning for Khalil Herbert. Pro Football Reference has him with one broken tackle this year. On 58 carries, I believe, but 3.9 yards before contact per attempt, which would be second among running backs. Only Chase Edmonds has more yards before contact per attempt. Meanwhile, David Montgomery, according to Pro Football Reference, already has seven broken tackles and 1.9 yards per con- yards before contact per attempt. So, so that is double the yards before contact per attempt for Herbert than Montgomery. But I'm, I will look back and I counted more than one missed tackle. So it's really just a matter of what they actually consider a must tackle, a missed tackle. Matt Nagy said about Khalil Herbert, he said, you cannot arm tackle him. We've seen that. So he's tough. He's tough to bring down. I think, I think he's pretty good, but I suspect that I suspect it's like Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, that it won't hurt Montgomery really all that much. That's my guess because I, I just feel like, all of the ma- all of the high value touches would basically go to Montgomery, the goal lines, the touchdowns, all that yeah. stuff. He might get spelled by Herbert. This is my total guess. Damian Williams becomes irrelevant. 
Herbert gets like eight carries a game. They still run the ball a lot if they can, and Montgomery's still pretty good. That's my I'd be higher on him than Jacob is. Yeah, I think the the question ultimately would come down to passing game role for Montgomery because that that was really what unlocked his upside last season. Yes, he ran the ball really, really well down the stretch, especially, but you know, if he can continue to be someone who gets four plus targets per game, then I think he continue to be can continue to be a must start guy, even if Herbert is getting 30% of the, the running back carries or whatever it might be. If he's not really getting third downs and Herbert's cutting into some of the goal line work and he's getting 30 to 35% of the running back carries, then it gets a lot tougher, especially if, as it looks, this offense is just going to continue to be a tire fire for the rest of the season. I don't know. I don't know whether it's Matt Nagy or Justin Fields who is more to blame for how bad this offense has been since they made that quarterback switch. I I can't help but feel like it wouldn't be worse if um, Andy Dalton was quarterback right now because it'd be better. Whether if Fields is just not ready, which I think is possible, there there's certainly a lot of evidence there, or whether Matt Nagy's offense is just not working and not he's not taking advantage of the things that would make Justin Fields great, which I think is a a pretty significant part of that. If you look into the data there have been very, very few designed runs for Justin Fields. There have been very few. Maybe he's just giving the ball up in uh, read option scenarios, but he had, coming into this game, he had, like I think, two carries and four starts that were read options. Um, and so it just doesn't seem like they're putting Justin Fields in position to be successful in addition to him playing poorly. Let's go to our next question here. It's from American Girl. Who has the best schedules moving oh, yeah. What? All right. Oh, Petty? Yeah, that's good. Kind of over that song. <laughs> I mean, it's a great song, and I love Tom Petty, but it's just I've heard it just so many times. I can't hear that song enough. I hate to distract from Tom Petty, but just real quick, Herbert on True Media has seven broken tackles last week, six the week before that. <laughs> that's what that I thought. Just, I mean, it, I wouldn't watch him, and he's definitely breaking tackles. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I guess I can't really put much stock into that. Into that. Um, it's probably... No, I don't know what it is. It's how they measure it, apparently, or it's just wrong. Yeah. Okay, back to Petty here. Schedules moving forward. Best schedules. Did you guys even bother with this? I know it's not really your thing. I I, I got some, but one of them is David Montgomery, by the way. (laughs) The Bears running backs after this stretch of Niners, Steelers, by Baltimore. Yeah. Got another good stretch to close out the season. Yeah, it's Detroit, Arizona. Arizona gives up the second fewest fantasy points to running backs, but they they have one of the worst run defenses. They just don't get run on a lot. Then Green Bay, Minnesota, Seattle, the Giants. That's how they end. They have a, a favorable schedule. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is incredible, but his schedule gets so good that he might just win you the league. I hope Antonio Gibson can take advantage of two matchups against the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoffs, weeks 15 and 17. Um... I've got Derek Carr as a big winner here. So after the bye, he gets the Giants, Chiefs, Bengals. That's a tough one. Uh, Cowboys, football team, Chiefs, Browns, Broncos, Colts. So that is teams that rank 21st, 31st, 25th, 32nd, 31st, 29th, and 26th. There are two teams that are tough matchups. Everything else is 21st or worse. So 
basically bottom 10. I, it's it's such a good schedule for Derek Carr on paper. Um, if if one of the two Broncos running backs could actually get significant work, they've got a great schedule going forward. Except they play the Chargers twice, and as I mentioned, the Chargers have been, has, have been really beat up on defense. It's possible they get healthy and they get better, but they're one of the worst run defenses in football. And and I will add with Antonio Gibson, you, know, you mentioned you hope he gets healthy in time for you know a good schedule. I, I think the problem with him, though, is that it's not just is he facing a good run defense. Is it's it's is he facing a team that won't go up big? Yes. Well, that's because the Eagles. The Eagles won't go up big on them. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you would hope so. Uh, they're going to go up big on the Eagles. <laughs> his last four games of the fantasy regular season are Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, and he's got the Raiders, Seahawks, and Buccaneers uh, in three of the four games before that, coming out of the Week Nine by so. If Russell Wilson's healthy, the Seahawks game, the Buccaneers game, the Raiders game, the cow, the two Cowboys games, those could all be JD McKissick games. No, there's no like, there's no such thing as a JD McKissick game. Did we learn that this? Sure, week? there is. No, they they've been they've been bad in almost every game. Almost every game they've been trailing. In fact, I want to say every game they've been trailing. Their two wins come from behind yeah. win against the Giants, come from behind win against the Falcons, and McKissick. Those were his only. Uh, no, he's had three really good games. But was he good against the Chargers? They lost that game. No, they lost by twenty-one. I think to the Bills. Was he good? No. Well, but the was Chargers he good game last they lost week? By four. Yeah. Okay, but he had he had four catch. But they were down in the fourth quarter. Sure. He had four catches last week. He had a he had a nothing game on Sunday right. yesterday. Okay. Regardless whether you want to call it a JD McKissick game, they are not Antonio Gibson games. Yet Gibson's still been pretty solid up until He's the last okay. two weeks. Well, yeah, the last two weeks have been tough. He's obviously playing through something. Well, and the week before that, if he hadn't had the, you know, he had the 73-yard screen pass. But if it wasn't for that, it wouldn't have been a, or no, yeah. that was week three. That was against If it Buffalo, wasn't for that, yeah. that would have been a pretty bad game. So I think the bigger thing is, I looked up this stat and it's astounding. Um, they have had 75 pass plays on third down this season. Antonio Gibson has been on the field for three of them. That yeah, is that sucks. unbelievable. You hate to see it. That is 4% <laughs> if you do the math. So, yeah, that's... um. It's he is so context dependent in a way that is, I don't know. It's hard to make sense of except for his injury. But even when he was healthy, it wasn't. It was the same thing. All right. So big takeaways for me: Derek Carr, great schedule coming up. The next three weeks for Zach Moss, I'm hoping can be pretty good. Miami, Jacksonville, and the Jets. So you know, he good game scripts could really take advantage of that. Schedule gets tougher later for him. But if you're you know if you're clinging, if you're three and four, two and five. Maybe Zach Moss is a buy low. And um, I just, I don't know. This is a tough exercise at this point. I want to wait a few more weeks to see what these matchups really look like. I think we'll know more. And I always do a, I always do a segment later on in the year about who's got the best playoff matchups, but I'm not quite ready to do it yet. I've got one. Oh, um, all right. What you got? I would mention Miles Gaskin. I don't, did you guys talk about Malcolm Brown being put on the air? No, no, I did not. Yeah, Malcolm Brown. You mentioned it right, but like literally like 10 seconds before we started the show, too. I forgot to put it in the notes. Yeah. So, I mean, two of the past three weeks, we've actually had really encouraging usage from Gaskin. Take that for what you will. It's really hard to tell if there's any predictability in Miami. But, I mean, they get the Bills this week who just play a lot of, you know, deep, too, too deep zone and just kind of funnel targets to the running back position. And we've seen Gaskin target at a really high rate. And then they play the Texans. Um, they also have games against the Jets and the Giants and the Jets again coming up, Titans in uh, week 16. So 
I don't know. I keep telling people that like there's hope for Miles Gaskin, and then the next week he'll go play 20% of snaps or whatever. So I don't want to do that again. But like, there might be hope. <laughs> yes, he's also just been stunningly inefficient in the passing game. Like he has a 78% catch rate, and he's averaging 4.1 yards per target. I don't think there's much predictability <laughs> so there because he was at 8.3 yards per target last season, which is yeah. elite for a running back. And so it's he's having such a weird year. He's at three touchdowns. As a as a receiver on thirty six targets somehow too, despite not being good, I guess partially those two those things can be related, but yeah, it, it's I don't know. I guess if Malcolm Brown's out for the season, that makes it much less likely that he's going to face competition in those valuable passing oh, situations. It's a big deal, and and rushing situations. He was in at first and goal. He was in goal to go yeah. uh, in week seven. I think it's a big deal if Malcolm Brown's out. Yeah, and I, I think this offense isn't going to be terrible moving forward. Yeah, I, I Maybe that's take lock, but I, I think Tua's playing really well. And uh, he's going to be even better when it's Deshaun Watson. So this is last one's from Jamie. Who has the best chance to become a thing? Guys like Bateman or Herbert or Tony, etc. All worth discussing. Hmm. Who could be a thing, Jacob? Who could emerge? Um, I mean, I think those names are all good. I've, I've been really excited um, for from what we've seen with Rashad Bateman. I think with both Bateman and Tony, you have to take it with a grain of salt because um, it is context dependent. Like we haven't seen Tony play with Shepard really very much at all. We haven't seen Bateman play with Watkins. Um, but what we have seen is great. Like the you know per route data for both mm-hmm. those guys is really, really exciting. Um, so they're showing an ability to produce if they have an opportunity Um and I would think, given what other teams are invested in, in those guys, they'll continue to get an opportunity even, you know, when the injuries are all cleared up. But we just don't know that for sure. I'm a, I'm a masochist, so I'll say Will Fuller. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I have him on so many teams already, and I've dropped him on several. Uh, but I still think, you know, having said that I think Tua is playing really well, he's doing that without Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. I think Will Fuller is still the best playmaker on that offense when he's healthy. So... Hopefully he can avoid bad luck and get back from this broken hand. Um, Rondale Moore, I think it's less likely now that Zach Ertz played. He only ran, I think, 14 routes in this game, which is really discouraging. Um, clearly, he's not the guy there. Brandon Ayuk, I don't know what it's going to take, but the the way he played last season, he's got to play a lot better than he has this season, clearly. Uh, but I still think the talent is there for that to happen. Um, is T Higgins too good to be on this list? Yeah, I think it's got to be a roster percentage kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess it doesn't because you know the Herbert and Herbert's pretty almost universally rostered. But two guys I, that are available on waivers that one I would definitely pick up. One, no, not yet. But T Y Hilton could once again become a thing, and uh, Curtis Samuel. Let's see. Yeah, Curtis Samuel Ryan Fitzpatrick connection. Maybe there's something <sighs> there. I love the talent, man. I, I love the talent. I love the fit with with Ron Rivera, the way they used him in twenty nineteen. But yeah, he's he's got to stay healthy, and I'm very skeptical that that's going to happen at this point. And um, Terrace Marshall, if he can get back from this concussion relatively soon, like Robbie Anderson has been historically inefficient. This has been. He has 55 yards on 27 targets over the last three games, I believe, which is just shockingly bad. But even if you look at the whole season, 
for players who have had at least 49 targets through their team's first seven games. He has the second lowest yards per target at like 4.1. The only one worse was Eddie Royal in 2009. So at some point, you got to think they either get Robbie Anderson going or they just stop going to him. And Terrace Marshall, I think, is an intriguing talent who showed some things early in the season uh, who could benefit from that. Okay. I've got another one that's really off the wall. Uh, Jamichael Hasty. Oh, I was going to say that. Sure. Yes. Yeah. He, he returned and did exactly what he was doing before he got hurt, which is like assumed all of the passing down work, um, which wasn't much given, you know, the circumstances of the game, obviously. Um, they play the Bears this week, um, so they probably won't need to pass the time. But after that, they play the Cardinals and the Rams, you know, so they could be playing from behind in those games. They've got games against the Vikings and Seahawks later in the year. They'll be competitive as well. So, like, he's somebody who could. And he's been targeted at a really high rate when he's been on the field for whatever whatever that's worth. Yeah, and Elijah, like Elijah Mitchell is a 49ers running back. They cannot stay on the field for more than three yeah. straight games. So I'm going to pick up Hasty this week. I still think that Daryl Henderson's one of the most injury-prone running backs, unfortunately. Um, there's not yeah. a ton to back that up because he hasn't had a long career, but you know they were worried about well, his health coming in, and he's been banged up in his young career. So Sony Michelle would be an absolute must-start if that situation arose. And I would say... Taysom Hill could become a thing. Yeah. Let's hope not. <laughs> he could. He could become a thing. I hope not for Alvin Kamara. Yeah. For sure. I'm not sure the offense as a whole would be worse than what it has been. Um, but I also don't quite understand what Sean Payton's done with that offense this season. I I uh, think that they're going to play well tonight. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'm saying that on an island game. But. I sure hope so. Um, I think and so. And... Sorry, there was one more player I wanted to say, but it's okay. We can move on. Okay. We can move on to the end of the show. Although oh. I know Jacob was just trying to oh, jump, Dillon. jump into the screen. Okay, AJ Dillon. Trying to jump into the screen to give his thoughts on Debo Samuel. So <laughs> go ahead. You can finish the show. Close it out. On Debo? Yeah, well, we were having that discussion. Debo top eight, top 15. Oh, gotcha. Trying to name wide receivers that, that we'd rank ahead of him. Yeah, just one guy you forgot, and everyone forgets, is Deontay Johnson. I don't know what he has to do to get respect other than get double-digit targets every single week that he plays. But, like, he has produced, like, a top (laughs) 10. In fairness, Debo has also had double-digit targets, I think, every game except for one. Yeah, but, I mean, Deontay's doing it. We've been seeing him do it for a whole year, and, like, he just lost Juju, who, like, has a lot of route similarity to him and does draw targets, whereas... Debo has Kittle definitely coming back and possibly has some form of Ayuk that will be more involved at some point. Yeah. Um, whereas there's really no one in Pittsburgh to take targets from Deontay, I don't think. Um, so he's just another name I wanted to mention. I think other than I that, everything that. you guys said was spot on. I think he's right on the top 12, um, you know, peripheral there. I think I would take him over Evans. But, yeah, Deontay, give this guy some respect. He's I, know, I, I always he... struggle with Deontay just because, like, I think he's a good player, but I think his fantasy value is – so much a function of the dysfunction of that offense. Like yeah. if that offense actually worked, I don't think Deontay Johnson would be anywhere near as good for fantasy. He is so he is so reliant on Ben Roethlisberger's utter, utter inability to hold on. But to that's the ball not for more un- that's like not fair because you don't I think you don't know. Fair. No, it's not fair because you don't know. He you haven't seen him. It's not like he played with a good quarterback and struggled. Right, so right, right, right. You don't he know has, that he wouldn't. No, no, be no. Better. I'm not saying he would struggle with a good quarterback, but his his last 16 games, it was before the last game where he didn't get many targets. So I'm sure it's different. But 
I think it's his last, let's say his last 17 games where he didn't leave with an injury. He has 187 targets. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's that's great. But in a real NFL offense, that wouldn't happen. Don't you think his he's yards not, per target would Pete be better? Calvin Johnson. Don't you think his yards per target would be better in a real Un- NFL unquestionably, offense? Unquestionably, but I don't think he's a guy who's going to average 10 yards per target in an alpha role. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't just know. don't think he's that kind of player. The Steelers so have I, thrown seven touchdowns in six games. So how about if he got into a real a real offense, he might be able to make up for it. Roethlisberger like, will not throw multiple touchdowns. All right, we got to get out of here. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. For Jacob and Chris, I am Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today.